Welcome to the Lead Podcast, helping you to get it, grow it, and give it. Well, hello, everyone. This is Roger Hernandez for the Lead Podcast. We want to welcome you, and we want to welcome today Mark Mittenberg. Mark is an accomplished author, a speaker, and we are very happy to have him in our podcast today. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Great to be with you, Roger. Well, for the three people that don't know who you are, <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> could you tell us a little bit about your story? Uh, first of all, how you came to faith and uh, what you've been up to over the last uh, 30 years that you've been in ministry? Yes, that's a big question. Um, I was raised in a Christian home. My, my parents met at Wheaton College at Wheaton, Illinois, so a strong Christian school and uh, raised our family as believers, um, and that worked really well until I became a rebel and a bit of a prodigal son for about six years. <clears throat> but finally, at age 19, I really made a commitment to Christ and immediately had a desire to reach other people it was just kind of seemed like the thing you should do if you found amazing grace, you want to share it. So I began to share my faith with co-workers. I was working in an electronics store and had the privilege of leading the cashier to Christ and um, and then started sharing more broadly. And that led me into lots of interesting conversations with people who didn't agree with what I t believed, which got me into what's known as Christian apologetics, answering tough questions, giving reasons for the faith, uh, defending, you know, what we believe against objections and questions. And then that all led eventually to me deciding to make that my life's career. I ended up going to graduate school at Trinity uh, Evangelical Divinity School, studied apologetics, philosophy of religion, and evangelism. Uh, ended up becoming the first director of evangelism at a church called Willow Creek in Chicago. Uh, I was hired the same day to work with a guy they introduced me to I'd never heard of, and no one else had hardly in the Christian world then, mm -hmm. a guy named Lee Strobel, uh, who wow. later wrote The Case for Christ. But uh, at that time, again, he wasn't known. I said, oh, great, we're going to work together. Let's get to know each other. And we became best friends. And he and I have been in ministry now for 30 years, and we're both pretty pretty much on the same track. We both do evangelism and apologetics. We're all about answering questions and objections, giving reasons for the faith, and leading people to Christ. And that's what I've been doing for 30 years. Um, Lee and I have written a number of books and curricula together. I've written my own. Uh, I don't work at a church anymore. I work independently and uh, do some teaching. I write books and curricula, and I travel and speak, including at some of your events, Roger. That is correct, and we really, really appreciated uh, your participation with us. So what you're saying, what I gather from that introduction or introductory statement is that um, Lee owes his success to meeting you. This is what I got. You know, I think that's right, and I, I think I should probably get a percentage of all of his book sales, too. But, If I was you, I would, I, would, uh, I would strive for that. I wish I would have um, thought of this no, a couple decades ago. Man, where were you? I know. I know. Um, 
so you're doing apologetics. Apologetics uh, is, I believe, more needed today than it ever was. I am pretty new at the concept of apologetics because coming from a Hispanic background, there are some things that you didn't question, right? Like everybody in my context, even though they did not go to church, they generally believe that there is a God, that the Bible should be respected. Um, but we're living in a society who's a bit antagonistic towards a Christian message, which is a strange and different era. So as you look back at your life, how has apologetics changed over the last 30 years? Well, that's a good question. And maybe just for our listeners, I'll, I'll, I'll back up one step further and just say that the word apologetic sounds weird to some people. It sounds like we're apologizing, and that's obviously not what it is. Uh, it comes uh, from a Greek word, apologia, which you see in First Peter 3.15, where uh, Peter tells all of us as believers to you know, set aside Christ as Lord, to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for the reason for the hope that we have in Christ. Well, when it says give an answer, that means, that's the, that word. It's give an apologetic, give a defense for your faith. Mm. And so I, that's always been important. As long as there are people with questions and doubts, we'll need apologetics. And I couldn't agree more, Roger. I think it's more important now than it ever was. <clears throat> but your question, Roger, about what has changed in the last 30 years concerning apologetics is a really good one because apologetics has to be a dynamic activity, meaning we're giving answers to their questions. Uh, this isn't about my hot buttons or what I want to talk about or what we think is always important to discuss as a Christian. It's about uh, the issues they raise. You know, First Peter 3.15, be ready to give an answer to them when they you know, ask for the reason for the hope or when they raise a question. And I do believe that that's changed quite a bit over the last few decades. Uh, 30 years ago, a lot more people had a Christian view of the world. They believed a lot more biblical kinds of ideas. Uh, when you would talk about morality, you'd talk about sin. Even when you'd talk about truth, uh, people often had much more of a biblical idea of those things mm -hmm. uh, than they do today. So, you know, I find myself sometimes today defending the idea that there is truth. Um, wow. And the truth is exclusive, and it's not something that you have your truth and I have my truth and everyone's opinion is equally valid. Uh, I didn't have those conversations 30 years ago, but I do today. So that would be one example. Um, and again, I, I, back when I started, a lot of what I would call apologetics then was proving from the Bible you know, what the biblical doctrine was. And so, you know, I would be talking to someone who would have just a, a misinterpretation. And so it was more biblical apologetics. Whereas today, I find many more of the conversations are much broader apologetics appealing to science and history. So science, for example, to show that there is a God and that, you know, this universe didn't come into existence on its own without a cause and without, you know, an intelligence behind it. And then drawing from history to show that you know, Jesus really was who he claimed to be. He really did live. He really did die on the cross. He really did rise from the dead. So I think it's changed that way. And yet, I think it's, you know, a lot is the same, too. People still are spiritually hungry. They're curious. 
They still need us to listen to them. There's a lot that's the same as it was back then as well. Now, just just like the the thunder that we hear behind you, uh, uh, if you hear thunder and you see lightning, you have you have to think, well, that came from somewhere. That it it, it it's not like your truth that there's thunder and then my truth. There is a an objective truth, and in the conversations that I have, especially with the younger generation. Uh, it seems to be well. That's good for you. Like it's uh, yeah. Like you like you want to follow Christ and you want to go to church and you want to read the Bible. I'm happy for you, but don't try to impose it on me. Um, yeah. I, I I remember uh, reading a quote. I think it was Tim Keller that uh, mm. ev evangelism sometimes is like. Uh, I have the truth, and you're lost. Now sit down and tell me, let me tell you all the ways that you're lost. So are you saying that, that we must be listening more? And what's the importance of listening in the apologetics? I am saying that, and I'm not sure if I would say more. I think it was always important to listen um, so that we, you know, and the Bible says be slow to speak and, you know, quick to, to listen. Um, I think we we need to know where the person's coming from, not so we not because we're going to change what we think, you know, based on what they believe, but so we know how to uh, appropriately respond to their question. You know, it says in Colossians four five, to act with wisdom toward outsiders and to make the most of every opportunity. And I think that includes really listening to them. In fact, it goes on to talk about. Let your season, your speech be seasoned with grace. And, well, I think the only way we can really do those verses appropriately is by first asking questions and paying attention enough to know what the person's, you know, objections are or questions are, where there's confusion, so that we're really scratching where they spiritually itch rather than kind of just giving our spiel on whatever it is that we want to bring up. But but I, I do want to jump back. You mentioned about you know, kind of the relativism of our time. And I think this is especially true among young people where they true, they teach, let me say that again, they treat truth mm -hmm. like a private timeshare. It's like they have their piece of it, you have your piece of it. And, you know, they're not the same, but we just all have to respect each other. We have to coexist, like the bumper sticker said. All right, correct. And, and when I, I assure them, I, I let them know, first of all, I'm, I'm into coexisting. I don't think we should be fighting or shouting each other down. I don't think we should certainly be doing violence. You know, it's part of what I love about living in the West. You know, when properly understood, we should be tolerant of each other. And I believe in freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and all of those things. But that doesn't make them equally valid. There is a truth out there. And by the way, I could be wrong about what that truth is. But we can't both be right if we contradict each other. Right. And I try to make that clear. And even your lightning example, since I'm in the middle of a Colorado thunderstorm right now, um, you know, they can say, and I don't know who would say this, but they could say, I don't believe in lightning. Well, this is a true story. One of my two best friends from high school was fishing in a lake in Montana and the storm was over. So he put his boat back out and one of those, you know, lightning, uh, experiences happened where it reached back like 20 miles hit my friend in his in his boat and he was instantly killed 
Wow. And it would not have mattered one iota if he would have said, I don't believe in lightning or I don't believe that storm is anywhere near enough to really have any effect on me. You know, reality is what is, whether we believe in it or think about it or respect it or not. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I try to convey to people, that there is a reality about God. Whatever it is, it is, whether you or I believe in it or not. Why don't we do our best to try to discover what is really true, what is really real? Because the wise man, the wise woman, works to conform their beliefs to reality. It always works out better when you, you know, yeah. respond to reality. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, um, let's talk about preaching and let's talk about uh, what happens in churches. In our context, it would be like every Saturday when we meet for for worship. Um, uh, this this is the situation that I encounter. Like when I when I talk about uh, apologetics to pastors, the importance of making sure that people are grounded and have answers. Um, the resistance I get sometimes from pastors is. Well, that's it's too dry. Like uh, people are not attracted to it. They're not uh, just just presenting facts. So, h- how can we make apologetics in a way, or how can we present it in a way that is winsome, that is engaging? Uh, I see a lot of self-help preaching, uh, and there's nothing wrong with with God helping you, and that's perfectly fine. But if if preaching all it is is health, self-help. Well, I can get better self-help from from my Barnes and Noble. So, how do you, how do you present, and what would you say to preachers about the importance of apologetics in your preaching calendar? Well, first of all, I, I just I think if we're going to be biblical ministers and teachers, uh, we have to address Roger. Yes. I'm, I'm going to have to pause it. My wife's ringing the other line. She's trying to get in the garage with the car before the hail damages it, and I have to open it manually. So no, hold no. on, and then we'll pick up on that question. All right. Oh, wait. The power just came on. It opened. Okay. Perfect. I'll, I'll just let her know I'm on this podcast. You would not believe the rain that is coming down right now. Mercy. Hang on. You, you know we have some outtakes that we're gonna do after all we record all of these. This is gonna make the this is gonna make the highlight real. So what's the deal? I talked to Roger, and all of a sudden we have like flooding of. Biblical proportions. I don't know what to think of this. Mercy. <laughs> it's the okay. Of the spirit. Yeah, I hope that's what that is. Oh, all right. Um, you, you want me to ask you the question? Back. You want me yeah, to ask you the question again? Yep. Yep. Okay. Now, Mark, let's let's talk a little bit about if, uh, apologetics in preaching. If uh, If you talk to a pastor, sometimes the pushback I get from pastors is apologetics is dry. It's just a lot of fact-based things. Uh, We need more heart things and more heart preaching. And many times uh, in the modern society, we we see a lot of just a lot of of self-help sermons. 
How important yeah. is apologetics? Speak to a pastor who's listening to this. We, we send this to a thousand pastors over the Southern Union. Um, sure. What, what what is important for them to know as far as um, using apologetics in their messages? Well, so I think this is life and death for a lot of people, especially young people. Um, I, I agree with them. It's not something you want to do all the time. Um, but if you don't do it much of the time, I think you're going to not be serving your people well. And again, First Peter 3.15, be prepared to give an answer. Um, and there's lots of verses that talk about you know, presenting truth. Um, Paul talks in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verses 4 and 5, about um, demolishing arguments and taking thoughts captive and bringing every thought cap captive to Christ. And um you know, it talks in First Thessalonians 5 about helping people test all things and cling to that which is good. But when you have a culture where people are losing spiritual reality and truth and where young people, I'm sure you've heard some of the statistics, and I don't know which ones are accurate, but I've heard, you know, more than half mm -hmm. of young people who go away to um, university um, end up losing their faith. Now, I hope that's exaggerated, but I, I, you know, some statistics say it's quite high. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if that's anywhere near reality, we must deal with it in a direct way by teaching, here's what the culture is saying, here's, here's, here's how we can respond. I would also add that um, I think that has more to do with how we do it than, than the subject matter itself. Um, my experience is when I, especially when I talk to young people, I'll lay it out in front of them. I'll go, "Here's what the culture is telling you, right?" And and again, it might be a, the existence of God that you know that God's a fairy tale. He's like a flying spaghetti monster. You know, you, it's an invented idea. How would you answer that? And I'll I'll put the ball in their court and, and say, "What would you say?" Well, the Bible says he exists. Well, yeah, but that's a religious book. You know, you can't believe religious books. That's so that's circular reasoning. Well, also they don't know what to say, and they're scrambling, and they're, and then I, when I do this with youth groups, I find that a couple of them start, you know, really working hard and, and trying harder, and and I'll just kind of spar with them, and I'm telling you, they get animated, they get interested, uh, they're ready to study and learn, um, and again, it could be the existence of God, it could be the you know the doctrine of the Trinity, and I'll start telling them, you know, that's that's polytheism and you know i'll play the devil's advocate you know yeah. and challenge them or the resurrection of jesus look i've never seen a person rise from the dead have you ever seen that resurrection I, it seems to me people tend to die and stay dead so why do you believe this fairy tale about a man rising from the dead and i press them on it um and even morality you know people are saying it's okay for men to marry men and women to marry women and you know isn't it a little judgmental of us to say otherwise and and then i let them dig and and say well what is what did, what did jesus say about biblical marriage and what does the bible say but but those are issues that are hitting people and especially young people right smack in the face today and we've got to equip them with clear thinking and biblical um, you know, backup and good logic and evidence and reasons so that they go out and live as confident Christians who know, you know, they know what's going to hit them and they know how to answer it. 
And there's nothing dry about what I'm describing. Now, let me ask you a question. This this might be a hard question to answer, and you, you feel uh, feel free to go wherever you must w with it. I hear, uh, and and I want to make sure I explain myself in my English as a second language uh, question here. <laughs> uh, th there is two perspectives, right, uh, concerning certainty. Uh, there's a perspective that say that says young people need certainty. We we must present certainty. Uh, the drawback from that is that we we tend to throw away humbleness. On the other side, if we're just going to present a relativistic, like whatever, it, yeah, we can't be we can't really be certain. We can't come across as know-it-alls. So let's not present objective truth. What are you finding with young people as you dialogue with them uh, concerning uh, truth and and being certain? Do they gravitate towards it? Do they reject it? How do you present it? Are you, are you, are you following my, my question? Am I making yeah, any, any sense? Yeah, I, th I think I understand. And I think generally speaking, there's, there's always exceptions and people are different, but I think generally speaking, people generally, and young people especially, are looking for someone that makes sense and looking for a position that isn't wimpy. Mm -hmm. And when they hear wishy, you know, wishy-washy, squishy Christianity of, well, yeah, we used to say that about marriage, but, you know, who am I to judge? And I, I think they just go, these people don't even believe this stuff. Mm -hmm. And why should I respect it when my pastor doesn't? Uh, and I, I see that. And, and you know what's interesting is, well, some Christians, and by the way, I, I think it's we should be relevant. I'm not saying we have to sound like fundamentalists and sound all harsh or anything. But, but, but when we start getting squishy about truth or, you know, everyone has an opinion and who am I to say, woe is me. When we get like that, isn't it interesting how many people are gravitating toward things like Islam? Yep where they say, Allah is God, Muhammad is his prophet, this is the truth, get in line. By the way, the word Islam means submission. So you submit to the truth, and uh, we'll welcome you into the fold, but, but sign up. And, you know, a lot of studies show that's the fastest growing religion in the world. Now, a lot of that's because of higher birth rates, but there are a lot of people converting to Islam. I think part of it is because even without the evidence backing them up on many things, they have the boldness to state it as truth. Mm -hmm. So I think young people are attracted to that, but I also don't think they like it stated as truth just in an authoritarian way without reasons backing it up. And we live in a skeptical enough of a society, they're not going to you know, accept things just because someone says, let's say it's the Lord. They want to know, you know, how do you know that's the Lord and how do you know it makes sense and so on. I think maybe another way to summarize my answer on this, though, I don't want to teach a cocky kind of over-the-top, you know, confidence like we're, we've got it and everyone else is crazy. Mm -hmm. But I certainly don't want to teach a squishy, wishy-washy, relativistic-sounding faith. What I want to do is what I think is a biblical balance, and it, I actually have a book with this title, and that is I want to teach a confident faith. Mm -hmm. a confident faith that is based on good reasons, good evidence that's biblical, uh, that, you know, again, I don't, not, not to be cocky about it, but I have good reasons to believe. I, 
you know, and I, in my book, I give 20 reasons to believe, you know, that God exists and that Jesus is his son and that Jesus, you know, died on the cross and rose from the dead and salvation is available only through him. And uh, those are things we don't take by a leap of faith. We have good evidence to back up those beliefs. And and I think that you just described it uh, perfectly. I think that people are put off by cockiness, but are attracted to confidence. And I think exactly. that yeah, that that's the balance. Um, so so what are, what are some resources that you're working uh, with right now that you've produced? Uh, can you let our listeners know uh, this is what I'm doing and how can it benefit them in their local context? Sure. Um, first, I'll just, I, I mentioned that book. I'll mention my two main apologetics books that I have, had done in the past, and then I'll tell you about something new that's just coming out this summer, uh, actually just came out. But the, the two from the past uh, few years, I wrote the book I just mentioned called Confident Faith, Building a Firm Foundation for Your Beliefs. And uh, that's, I described that in football terms. That's my offense. And that's where I give 20 arguments for the Christian faith. And often when I speak to conferences like yours and to youth groups and speak on universities and so on, I blitz them through these 20 arguments from archaeology, uh, from science, from history, from biblical uh, references, from uh, Jesus' death and resurrection and the evidence for the resurrection and so forth, to end up saying this all points to the truth of Christ and ultimately to the gospel message of Jesus dying for our sins. And that's all in that book, Confident Faith. The, uh, that's the offense, going back to the football deal. My okay. defense is a book that came out uh, a couple years ago called The Questions Christians Hope No One Will Ask with Answers. And uh, it's a long title, but uh, we titled it that because we did a survey of Uh, about a thousand Christians all over North America and ask them, you know, as a believer, what are the questions you hate being asked or you hope, you know, your skeptical uncle Bob at the next holiday gathering of the family that you hope he won't start buttonholing you with this question because you know, you're not ready. You, you just, you don't feel confident about it. And we did a survey of this and we got the top 10 questions. And then I wrote chapters on each of those questions. And uh, includes, why do you think God exists? Why do you think Jesus is the son of God? Uh, what about evolution? Did that put God out of a job? Um, it got into social issues. Why, why do you think, you know, what do you think about homosexuality? Why are Christians against it? Um, questions about abortion. Questions about the problem of evil, pain and suffering. Anyway, so that's kind of my defense where I give answers to these top 10 questions. And those books are both available, uh, you know, anywhere Christian bookstores are at or on Amazon or whatever. And, and I, thing, I, uh, before you get ahead. to the new thing, I just want to let you know that and let our listeners know, I read both of those books. Uh, we've given them out in conferences. They're excellent resources. Please go and get Great. them. Thank you. That's encouraging. Uh, the new thing, uh, we're really excited. Um, I mentioned earlier my ministry partnership with Lee Strobel. Um, some of your uh, listeners will know this, but uh, about a little over a year ago, a great movie hit theaters called The Case for Christ. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, based on you know it's, it's, it was the cinema, cinematography version of Lee Strobel and Leslie Strobel's story about him coming from atheism to the point of trusting in Christ, and it was a great movie. Uh, got great reviews. Even secular critics were quite positive, partly because it it treated people with respect, even the non-Christians in it. It didn't caricature them. It didn't belittle them. Uh, it treated them with respect, and uh, and yet it clearly brought through the truth of the evidence for the resurrection of Christ and, and the gospel and showed in a powerful way how Lee Strobel came to Christ. The reason I'm bringing that up is uh, I was involved in the film kind of helping shape it, and uh, Lee and I uh, work on all of these things together. And as the film was uh, coming out and we watched it number, a number of times, we kept realizing there are such great clips in here that if we could get permission from PureFlix to use in a curricula, we could help other people learn how to share the information that was in that movie and that Lee has been writing about for years. And that's what happened. And we just, or this summer, I think it was just a couple of weeks ago, they released our new curricula. It's a six-week video-driven uh, small group or Sunday school-based or you know church-based, uh, class-based curricula that um, is called Making Your Case for Christ. And uh, it's a mix. It's a mix of apologetics and evangelism. In other words, it, we we help the people that go through this material learn how to defend the biblical record of Christ, uh, learn how to um, defend the resurrection of Christ, why it makes sense. But we also do some basic evangelism kinds of principles: how to build relationships, how to start spiritual conversations how to describe your own spiritual journey in plain language. And we put it all together in the six-week course, and uh, we do videos, and then we use clips from the Case for Christ movie in every session. And we're just thrilled how it came together, and we're hoping other people will be thrilled as they start getting it and using it in their churches. That is fantastic. And where, if I... I'm a local church pastor or a leader and want to uh, get one of those um, resources, where do I go? What's the website? What's the contact information? Uh, it's it's published by Zondervan, and I'm bringing up here, they have a, a direct church source uh, phone number, which is 800-327-7480. Again, 800-327-7480, or just church source dot com. Uh, and I point there because they have quantity discounts for participants, you know, for the study guide part that each uh, participant needs. Um, so that would be a good place to go for it. But otherwise, they could go to, you know, christianbookdiscounters.com or they can go to amazon.com or to their local Christian bookstore. And it's available through any of those. And it, it includes a DVD with Lee and me teaching and the movie clips are on there. And then it has a, you know, the participant's guide, or they call it a study guide, and each person should have one of those because there's lots of things to fill in and read and do there. Um, but I think it will really encourage your people if you use it, use this uh, course and, and not only help them get some intellectual knowledge, but really apply it in conversations with family and friends who need to know the truth about Christ. 
All right. So we, we're almost here to the end of our conversation. Uh, any last words of encouragement? I know that uh, being a local church pastor is a hard thing uh, these days. You, it seems sometimes that the whole culture has shifted. It's against you. Like nobody wants to know anything about God. But there, there's a lot of people out there hungry for the gospel. What kind of encouragement can you give a local church pastor as we close our time together today in the podcast? Well, that's a good question, Roger. And I think I'd go back to something I hinted at earlier, and that is even though times have changed and yet it seems sometimes like people have abandoned basic principles and teaching and so on, there still is, I think it was Pascal that said, you know, that each person has a God-shaped vacuum inside of them. Well, that has not changed. And you know, there's still a spiritual hunger. And in fact, I think as our world gets crazier, in a lot of ways, that hunger is getting stronger. And they're looking for people who make sense and who are loving. You know, it's not just people who can dispense truth. It's people who care, people who love, people who uh, can articulate truth people who can listen to them and apply the truth in ways that really connect with them. Uh, I think that's as true as ever and probably more so. And I would also add, don't feel like you have to reinvent every wheel or do it all through just a great sermon. Sermons are an important, obviously, and biblical way of conveying truth, but there are so many tools available to you now, um, including I mentioned the, like the movie, the Case for Christ movie, for example. I mean, that's something you can show in your uh, church, and you know, the, you can go to PeerFlix and get licensing, and it's not expensive. Or if it's a smaller group, you just get the DVD, you watch that, and then let's talk about it. Uh, this new course we have, Making Your Case for Christ, uh, that's a six-week deal, and you can get all your small groups doing that. And by the way, don't forget youth groups. They need this stuff. Um, and then you could do some preaching that supplements what the groups are doing. Um, there's all kinds of YouTube videos, even sometimes showing someone, you know, like an atheist like Richard Dawkins, show your church, here's what the world's saying about our beliefs. Now we're going to learn how to answer them. And so use video, use, you know, tools of the culture as well as just straight biblical teaching. And I think that combination done in earnestness and passion where people realize this is important. This really is spiritual life and death, you know, for our young people and for all of us to know what we believe and why. And so we're going to go after it, you know, with vigor. And I think people will really respond. All right. Our guest today has been Mark Mittenberg, and we appreciate, Mark, your time. Uh, we appreciate that thunder and lightning that God sent your way. And yeah, and the it, storm <laughs> just ended, so it just cor sort of corresponded with, with our conversation today. I think right. it was God applauding what we're talking about. That is correct. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you for being a blessing uh, to the body of Christ, and we will talk again soon. Okay, and you too. Thanks so much, Rod. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to The Lead Podcast. My name is Ryan Becker. I'm one of the co-hosts and producer of this podcast, and we really appreciate your support. If you want to subscribe, then you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, any of your favorite podcatching apps. And if you do subscribe on iTunes, then we just ask that you please leave a review. That really helps us out to know what we can do better and the things that you are already enjoying, the things that we can continue doing. Make sure you do subscribe and leave a review because we're always doing giveaways and that really, uh, that's the way that we do it is we 
do it for those who have left a review. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback for the show, you can email us, leadsupodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter, Roger Hernandez, at leadsu, and myself, at Ryan180Becker. Thank you guys so much for listening and supporting. Without you, this is not possible. We'll see you next time.